As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Create multiple streams of income within the real estate industry. Best ever listeners, do you want to make more money on your real estate projects? Well, I'm guessing that I'm hearing you say, oh yeah, baby. (laughs) Well, guess what, my friends? Today's best ever sponsor, Fund That Flip, is working with... Well, one of our previous best ever guests who has the most po- one of the most popular episodes, Jay Scott. If you aren't familiar with this episode, then go check that out, episode 217. If you are, because you're a loyal best ever listener, then you know that he knows how the heck to both analyze deals, especially flips, how to optimize the profits on those flips and how to look at the market. Because of that, Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has worked with him and put together a guide that is the seven tips to increase your real estate profits in today's market. Go check that out. Go get that guide. I've read through it myself. I've learned a lot of things from it, from how to analyze the market cycles, as well as how to optimize profits and not lose money or mitigate your risk for losing money on your deals. Go check it out. Fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com forward slash best ever. You're going to learn the tools to better understand your local market and position your business for success. You're going to know how to analyze the real estate cycle and how to use short-term investing to capitalize on the market cycle and seven concrete actionable tips to make more money on your deals. Fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. And with us today, we've got an investor who is also focused on both single family homes and manages his own properties and perhaps others. We've got to talk to him about this. How you doing, James Like? How you doing? Fantastic, Joe. Thank you for having me. Yeah, nice to have you on the show, my friend. And a little bit about James. He's the owner of Revolution Real Estate. He sold more than $30 million in real estate with a focus on single family homes. He's a full-time real estate investor. He's been one since 2006. He manages 40 properties and owns eight rental properties. He's based in Fort Worth, Texas, where I'm from, otherwise known as Cowtown. And his website is jameslike.com. 
com. You can just click that in the show notes page. With that being said, James, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure thing, man. Uh, I grew up in a rural area just outside of Fort Worth. My father, he was a, um, a steel worker at a local steel mill. I actually grew up in a single-wide mobile home that my dad had taken uh, during some uh, financially hard times. Stripped it down, started adding rooms onto it the best that he could, and that was our home uh, growing up. And uh, my dad, he always kind of pushed me to go work for the man. And so for about uh, graduating high school and for about the three or four years after that, I kind of chased several different degrees. But I went back to the moment that I was a senior in high school when I bought the Carlton Sheets No Money Down Real Estate Program back in the late 90s there and uh, came back to that eventually after chasing all of the college degrees. And uh, like you said, bought my first house in 2001 flipped a house in 2005, and uh, I was actually living in Missouri then, and then I, I flipped that house in 2005 and moved back to Texas, and I uh, got my real estate license in 2006, started my company in 2012, and uh, over the last nine to 12 months here, we flipped nine homes and condos just this past year alone, and so that's kind of a little bit of a synopsis of who I am and kind of the journey that I've been on these last 20 years or so. When you look at the overall income that comes into your company, what percentage, how do the percentages break down? So for the past probably 10 years or so since I became an agent, most of my income came from uh, listing and selling, helping buyers, and then also managing you know, more than 40, 50 properties at any given time for other people. And then over the last 12 months to 18 months, We've been able to sell a whole lot more. We've added some pieces to the team on the sales side to do that, and it's allowed us to kind of shift our focus to really doing a lot more of the flips, the buy and holds, creating that passive income, and making some now income with the flips. Mm -hmm. So now you've got real estate commissions, property management fees, the buy and hold income, as well as fix and flip profits. If you rank those as we stand today, one through four, what is most profitable the least? And factoring in cost and time, because I know with real estate commissions, it's kind of tough to do that unless you factor in cost and time. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, you can even throw overhead in there considering we we have a team of agents and uh, we have three full-time admin staff and other things to go with that. I would say the least profitable at this very moment, dollar for dollar is going to be actually the brokerage side of the business, the listing and selling. And uh, just because of the fact that it, it requires so much time. And once we brought in some other agents, we were able to kind of uh, pass off a lot of the business and the referrals that have come in. And so they take 50% of the commission. I'm able to get 50% back. And so your money per deal kind of goes down as you grow and you start to scale that part of the business. And so really the sales side with the overhead that it takes to work the systems and and to do all the transaction to close and all of those things, that would definitely be my least profitable business as far as the amount of time that I'm spending on it versus the dollar amount that I'm making. And what about three, two, and one? Three, two, and one, probably the least profitable would probably be the property management. I don't spend quite as much time on the property management anymore. We actually have some folks in our office that take care of that for us. And so 
I do a little bit, but the systems really kind of keep that going. So it's pretty passive for me. However, you do have to pay the staff and, and those things. And then 10% of the rent each month and then 50% renewals. And not renew, we don't charge renewals. Uh, 50% of lease-ups are the only income that you really derive off of that at the moment. So that is pretty minuscule. Two is going to be my buy and holds just because I use private money primarily to do the buy and holds. And so I have a note that's involved with those. Those obviously just bring in income each month and serve just like a rental property. And then my most profitable side of the business is hands down the flips and wholesales that we do. On the buy and holds using private money, how do you structure it with the private money person? We've actually gotten a pretty good deal compared to a lot of people that they're doing the same thing with private money. And we have a couple of different guys that will give us on the long-term deals. We basically put them on a 20-year amortization. We do a five-year call with the lender so they can call a note due after that five-year period. And we get anywhere from 6 to 8%. 8% is, we haven't really had to tap into that guy yet, just because a 6% guy has been funneling us money to get these deals done as they come along. And so I also have a local bank, he'll give me five and a half to 6%. And the way I've been structuring those deals to get into them with no money out of pocket, every deal that I own, all eight properties, I have $0 invested in these properties. And so basically what I did is I took a property that I've had for a few years and we paid it off and we're able to pay it down and get it paid off. And now I, I use it to borrow against uh, the equity on that property for the down payments when I have to use the bank or when I choose to use a bank on a property. It kind of depends on where the rates are and how my private money guys are lined up. But just closed a deal, got 5.5% from a local bank and borrowed against one of my other properties, the down payment. And so I'm still cash flowing really well on that one. Are you able to borrow against that free and clear house on multiple deals that you want to acquire? I actually, yes, I am. That property appraised for $60,000. And then I bought a property last year and borrowed against it. And then we reappraised it this year and I was able to borrow against it again. And so I can go up to 80%. And so I think I have about 12,000 left or so of that particular property that I could borrow against. And so what's really cool is like the bank that I use here locally, they get a little bit creative with us. So they'll allow me to take that $12,000 and then I can go get an appraisal on one of my other properties, which are all of my properties I owe less than 80% on. And we can go and say there's five grand on another property. They'll let me pull that five grand mm. to bring it up to 80%. And so that would give me 17, whatever. I can go buy another property. And so it's been really cool to have that relationship, to be able to go in there and just borrow that money like that. Yeah, you can mix and match from equity on your current properties and get credit for your new property. Absolutely. Hmm. What bank do you use? What's the local bank? It's Pinnacle Bank in Burleson. And they actually, they're out of Fort Worth and Pinnacle Bank of Texas. I think they're in Kansas and Missouri and a bunch of different places now. But I use the one in Burleson, just south of Fort Worth. I remember hitting a home run in high school baseball at the Burleson Field. Burleson Elks, right? Isn't that the high school? Yeah, I don't know where we got that mascot, but uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely definitely the Elks. But yeah. we actually have two high schools in Burleson now. I know you've been oh. gone for a little bit. Yep. 
We have two high schools. I live on the other side of the district now okay. where the Spartans are. So we have Spartans and Elks. I have no clue <laughs> what that even means for Burleson. But... Well, with this mix and match process, that's interesting. I haven't come across this. Are you concerned about over leveraging yourself since it seems like it's a house of cards if the market turns? Well, I never exceed 80% of value. Okay. And so I, I still have 20% equity in every property. I mean, the bank won't let me borrow more than the 80% to leave 20% there. Obviously, we want to pay all of these off as fast as we can. But not only that, we're buying the property that I just closed in May was a property that I've managed for an investor for five years. The investor decided that he wanted to sell it. And it pumps out at 130000 and as is condition. And so this property needed about $15,000 worth of foundation, paint, flooring, if the tenant was to move out. I mean, it's livable now. We have it rented, have for the last five years. And so if I was to go in there and get the tenant gone, do the carpet, the paint, foundation, do a couple of other upgrades, it would be in the neighborhood of 150 to 160. I purchased that property for $90,000. And so I leveraged to get my $18,000 down payment. I leveraged those other two properties. So I owe $72,000 on that property. My monthly payment after taxes and insurance is $750 a month. And I rent it for $1,200. It's about $200 less than market rent right now. I've got a single teacher that's living in the property. She's a great tenant. So I just haven't raised her rent or anything. So I'm still cash flowing 450 aside from like any kind of repair holdback. With the 20-year amortization and a five-year note, so basically the balloon payment is due in five years, what's your plan on the exit at those five years? How are you going to make sure you keep the property? That's a great question. And uh, it's probably one that I should actually sit down and really consider the relationship that I have with this particular bank has been a, a few-year relationship. We've already done this, I think, uh, for five years now, four or five years. And so become good friends with the guy. Maybe I'm a little novice and naive to think that what he tells me is true. But at the end of the five years, he keeps telling me over and over that it, it's the bank's best interest for them to re-up or adjust the rate and to be closer to market. And so I guess I could run into some kind of issue at some point with that. However, the amount of money that we're gaining from private investors, again, very unpredictable. They can come and go as the market swings. But right now we have more than $2 million in available private monies that we could do. A lot of those guys do not want to go into something long-term, like a buy-and-hold situation. And so, therefore, that's why we choose to use the bank on some deals. I only have the bank on a few deals, not every one that I own. But I feel like that we could find the private money needed to be able to get us out if the bank called it totally due and did not want to restructure and move forward with a note. I would be having lots of cash on hand in about four and a half years. That's for sure, just in case. Yeah. Okay. Well, the $2 million in private money that you've got access to, what is the smallest amount that someone in that $2 million group would invest and what's the largest amount? So... We have this little honey hole over in the Fort Worth area. They're little condos. And we've been buying these things for the last three or four years and flipping them. We don't hold them. They're a little bit cantankerous to manage. And so we definitely don't, don't try to hold on and, and, and manage those at all. And so 
we've been flipping them and I've purchased uh, from all the way as low as uh, $3,000 and haven't paid more than $18,000 for one of these little condos. And so we have four of them actually under contract right now. One's a burnout. We'll close later in the year. Three, we close on August the 1st and we bought both of these. We're paying the seller's closing cost and we're going to be into these for 13,500 each. And so that being said, we'll put about 7,500 or so in repairs in these. A couple of them may not even need that. We're going to just try to throw it back on the MLS and make a quick profit. But they sell for thirty-five to $40,000. You're talking about a ten dollars to $15,000 profit on the backside if, whenever we go to sell these. And so I have lenders that will give us as low as the 3000 the 6000 you know, 20 all in or whatever. And then on the larger side, we actually have another project going. We met with the private lender yesterday, and he will do, for the right commercial deal, he can go all the way up to a million, million and a half. And what are his fees? I can tell you it's not the 6 to 8%. It's not going to be the 6 to 8%. <laughs> even on... Uh, we're, we're, we're entering into sophisticated territory now, and they won't do that 6%. <laughs> no, he won't do it. Matter of fact, the numbers that he was kind of structuring with us, he could do as low as 12% on some of the more of the spec build-outs. We're getting ready to build some houses, do some construction and new builds. And so he would loan up like around 12%, but really what he wants to get on his money is about 20%. But he, in order to do that, he would come in as a partner and just be kind of a money partner to gain that 20%. He told us that's about what he's making on some other commercial uh, lending deals that he's doing. Wouldn't we all like to get 20% on every investment that we do? <laughs> I suspect that he is making that 20% on some of the investments that he does, but I also suspect that if we were to average out all the investments that he's made, he is certainly not getting 20%, but perhaps I'm wrong. I would say you're probably right on. I mean, with us, he's gaining about 10 to 12% in short-term flips. And that's just a goal that he has getting closer to retirement age. And so he's been a little bit more picky and choosy with his deals. Makes sense. Well, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Best real estate investing advice ever is to create multiple streams of income within the real estate industry. Mm. And you have, we talked about your four streams of income. And I actually have seven streams of income within real estate. Oh, what are the other three that you haven't mentioned yet? So I have the brokerage, which I get agents and my own production commission off of those. I have the property management company. We buy for rentals, uh, rental holds. We have the uh, flipping and wholesaling side. We do consulting. We also do developing, which we're getting ready to break ground on our actual first two build jobs. Flipping's been a little bit hard for us to do because of the prices in the market and the competitions driving all the prices up to scary risks for us. And so we've acquired two pieces of land that we close on in August and construction will begin first week in August. And then our final uh, stream of income is Clutch Construction, which is our construction company that launched on May 1st. And so we partnered with the guy that was taking care of all of our flips and all of our repairs on our rentals and those things make readies. And we partnered up with him so that we can realize a lot of the savings by being a partner. And so we're doing rehabs for other clients as well with that business, but just another stream of income. I like it. 
I like how you've got the property management and the holds and the consulting built in there because the market's hot right now and the construction, developing, the fixing and flipping and the brokerage all are tied directly to a hot market and a regular market. But if the market cools, then at least you'll still have the property management and the consulting and the buy and holds. So you got three out of the seven still. Yes, sir. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Want to make 2016 your best year in sales ever? Register today for Tom Hopkins two-day sales academy hosted in Las Vegas on August the 26th and 27th. This event's going to sell out. Go get your seat today. Go to TomHopkins.com forward slash sales academy. That's T-O-M-H-O-P-K-I-N-S dot com forward slash sales academy. Best ever book you've read? Getting Things Done, David Allen. Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? Going through the 2007-2008 era market crash, divorce, and all of these things that came in my life, I learned how to persevere and I learned how to create multiple streams of income to where when I lost seven or eight deals sitting at the closing table when the banks froze all the assets in 2007, my life came crashing down. And because of that, I learned that one stream of income, one area of focus was not going to get it done for me. I had to, had to have more. And so that was my best personal experience. Best ever deal you've done? The best ever deal that we did was probably one that we did the first of the year here. Bought it for $80,000 off the MLS, believe it or not. We were in it for 135 and I sold it for $205,000. What do you attribute that deep discount with? Why was there one? Well, the agent listed the property at $66,000. We actually won the bid. I'm very good friends with the agent. And we won the bid by 400 bucks. The other party, they actually outbid us. They bid 82000 but I waived my $2,400 commission that I would have gotten paid. And we bid 80000 and we won it by 400 But it was one of those fluke deals. It's like, I don't know why more people didn't come in and go even higher on the price. It, it looked like a pretty bad house on the outside, but it, it was really a straight house. And it was just a great opportunity. We just kind of lucked into that, I feel like. What's the best ever way you like to give back? Best ever way I give back, I do a couple of different things. Uh, homeless outreach, once a month in Fort Worth, we feed 350, 400 people out on the streets of Lancaster. I'm sure you're familiar with that area. Yep. And then um, I also do missions work at an orphanage in eastern Honduras. And so I get to go there, try to go once a year to go down and uh, work with the kids doing various projects there. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Biggest mistake I've ever made is trying to do too much at one time with no system and no plan. So I've always had these great ideas and could never follow through with them, maximize the potential with each idea until I read Getting Things Done, began to put the systems in place and surrounded myself with the people that handle all of those things that I'm weak in. What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? You can give me a call on my office line, 817-447-8500. You can email me, james at jameslike.com, or you can reach out to me on Facebook. That would be facebook.com backslash jameslike real estate. I guess that'd be forward slash jameslike real estate. James, thanks for being on the show and having a conversation with us and talking about how you're acquiring properties. You have all eight of these properties with no money out of pocket because you're leveraging the equity that you have 
in a home that you own free and clear and you're mixing and matching the equity that you have on other homes to buy future properties and you're working with Pinnacle Bank in Burleson to do that as well as your seven streams of income focus, brokerage, property management, buy and hold, consulting, flipping, developing, and construction. Really good to hear that you are diversified, and it's nice to hear how you're diversifying it. Even though they're all directly connected to real estate, some of them will take less of a hit if and when a recession comes, and that is the property management, some of the consulting, and the holds. So thanks so much for being on the show, sharing your approach, how you're making deals happen, how you are building your real estate empire. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. My pleasure. Talk to you soon, my friend. Want to make 2016 your best year in sales ever? Register today for Tom Hopkins' two-day sales academy hosted in Las Vegas on August the 26th and 27th. This event's going to sell out. Go get your seat today. Go to tomhopkins.com forward slash sales academy that's t-o-m-h-o-p-k-i-n-s dot com forward slash sales academy